Today on Talk About That, I argue against dark chocolate and important speeches at rock concerts. Meanwhile, John explains what makes an apostle, and we chat about our Pentecostal upbringing. Plus a conversation about creativity, fame, and the tendency to make ourselves the hero of our own stories. Today's episode is not sponsored by Fireworks. This 4th of July, celebrate your freedom by lighting explosives made in China. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Let's go. What's up out there, listener? I am John here with Johnny. Hey, guys. And it's another week of Talk About That, your favorite podcast. Well, well maybe it's your favorite podcast, John. Oh, I, it's, don't, I don't know if it's theirs. I don't even know if it's my favorite. Really? No, oh, I'm sure it is. <laughs> I mean, top five. Well, you know, it's... Uh, I do listen. So do you ever listen to... All the episodes? Uh, I, I will sometimes listen to it when it first comes out. Like, I'll listen to yeah, it to see, that. like, did it post properly? And then I'll end up listening for a while. And I'll kind of be like, oh, I kind of enjoyed that. I had, a, I had a moment where I had a strange thing. I was walking and I was listening to an episode. I think I was listening because I wanted to write an intro for it. You send me the file, then right. I write the intro, and then I record the intro. Based on kind of a summary of the episode. It's like, right. okay, cool. Yeah. So I'm listening and then I noticed we would get to a point in the conversation where you're talking and I'm thinking to myself of something smart key to say back to you. <laughs> and then I said that thing. You were thinking it before you actually said it. Yeah, but it's like, I, I don't know if I was remembering that I did say it, <laughs> but I was having that moment of like, oh, well, if John said this ever. and You're I like, went, I should have said that. I go, God, I hope I say this back. And then I said it and I was like, I did it. Like I was like <laughs> excited that I smarted off in the right way. And then That's I don't know if you remember. Interesting. <laughs> like you had like this predetermined path in your mind uh-huh. that you hoped that you were going to take and then you took it. Yeah. And I guess I always would. I don't know if that's a, it's like a, it's an infinity loop of me being a jerk. <laughs> Is that like the title of your book right there? Yeah. Johnny, the infinity loop of being a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. I kind of wonder, I think, I actually think the same thing. I'll go, I'll think, is that what I was going to think? Wait, yeah. or I'll, I'll think ahead. I'll do the same thing. I'll think ahead of what could be coming uh-huh. and then wonder if I actually said it because I can't remember. Do you remember what you said on the podcast? Sometimes. That's why I listen back because I don't remember exactly what we talked about sometimes. And I'm like, oh, I need to write a description now. And it's been three days. Right. And, uh, I need to listen again. So I'll listen. I'll skim through. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll hit the high points. Um, it's a weird thing. And... We've gotten so you. I wonder. I think about that. We've gotten so used as a culture to hearing our own voices now. But back in the day, you never heard your own voice. Remember the first time you ever heard your own voice oh, on like a recording or yeah. answering machine message? You're like, "That's what I sound like." You're so offended because uh-huh. your brain kind of messes with it. Yeah, 
uh, it's what I always heard scientifically, like your brain, because you're hearing the sound of your voice, but you're hearing it from inside your own head yeah. too. So it's already weird. Yeah. So you're, but when you hear it on the tape, you're hearing what other people are hearing. So you're like, that's what I sound like. I don't yeah. Know. The number one thing people seem to around us, if they hear their voice the first time, the number one thing that they're worried about is their Southern accent, because that's the thing you can't hear. That's a dialect thing. I think before it was just like the voice itself was jarring, but now we record ourselves and hear ourselves back so many times. By the time you're a teenager on Instagram or whatever, you've heard your own voice in recordings a million times, maybe. It makes me wonder if politicians and like people of noteworthiness in you know the 19th century who never heard their voice back anywhere else. Like it's interesting to think interesting to think that they had no conception yeah. of what other people were hearing. Yeah, hmm. I wonder what Kennedy thought he sounded like to other people. He was like, "That's what I sound. That's what I." I don't know. I don't know about Kennedy. <laughs> well, technically, Kennedy could hear himself, Johnny. I don't know if you know. Yeah, well, that's they true. Had, yeah, but it wasn't like so. I'm thinking like prevalent. I'm thinking like Abraham Lincoln did okay. not did not get to know what his voice sounded like. You know, yeah. Wasn't four score and seven years ago like a vamp? Somebody told me that. I thought it was that like was that a, wasn't in the. He just was like, I need to really spice this up. It said '87. <laughs> he was like, you know what else is '87? Four score and seven. <laughs> <laughs> I really have heard that. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it is or not, but I do know this that. Yeah. The Gettysburg Address, Laura talks about this all the time. The Gettysburg Address, the crazy part about it was in the address he says, Mm -hmm. years from now, no one will remember that this speech was made. Because the the event was such a huge event that he was speaking at, he's like, you know, this is not going to be important in the grand scheme of things. And it's his most famous speech and his shortest, I believe. Uh, I did read, uh, I think it was on like one of my Uber facts or, you know, crazy facts count so i can't totally verify it but usually these are true and it was something about that of uh martin luther king's i have a dream the whole i have a dream part of the speech was uh completely extemporaneous you mean it wasn't in his notes wasn't in his notes no way it's what i heard i feel like there's no way to confirm it i'm gonna look it (laughs) i'm gonna look it up (laughs) i'm serious though wouldn't that be insane though because again this is a guy who's a Baptist preacher. Yeah. So he's used to, you know, getting into rhetoric and getting into like, he's a confident speaker. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. Sure. I think it just makes me feel insecure. Yeah. To think that there's no way right. I could do that extemporaneously. Yeah. Are you typing in I'm typing, was extemporaneous I, right now? I don't know if I'll, let me, how, how should I search this? Was I have a dream speech improvised? It is. It's one of the searches. Martin Luther King's speech at the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom in 1963 was unusable, unusual, not unusable, among great American speeches in that its most famous words, I have a dream, were improvised. This is from a New York Times article. Okay, that is unbelievable. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Wow. So it's true. So he's not only the greatest, one of the greatest speakers of all time, but his most iconic moment was off the hip. Just, you know, if you believed in. You know, th- th- growing up in the traditions that we grew up in, yeah, there was always like this, um, and I still I still hear it today. Some were like, "Hey, so you're a pastor? Are you a preacher? Or are you a teacher?" Yeah. Why and, is this person like deeply southern? Why are you? Uh, that, hey, uh, 
I got a question. Like, what do you? Why does this person got to sound really dumb? I'm, I, I think anyone that comes to you with a question, you automatically assume they're an idiot. No, no. <laughs> if someone, it, 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 so this lady comes to me and she seems like she needs help. And she's like, "Hello." <laughs> You're like, well, "I think John's got an attitude problem." I think that there are um, certain <laughs> questions that if you come to me with them. Mm-hmm. I probably am going to prejudge a little bit because I've heard it so many times. Well, that particular question, yeah. That was the whole. Are I'm going to be a, like, yeah. I, where do you see yourself in the fivefold ministry? Yeah, I don't know. And that's, I'm working on And you're on like, it. I'm more of an apostle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they call me Apostle John. Anytime I see someone called the Apostle. The Apostle John. I mean, it's a real thing scripturally. Yeah. But I don't want to call. You know, yeah, when somebody calls himself an apostle these days, it kind of is a, I don't want to say it's a red flag, but it's a red flag. Yeah, to call yourself an apostle. I just what did apostle mean in the biblical days? It meant you plant churches, right? I think apostle originally meant one of the original. You you had had one, an encounter with Jesus, right? One one of the original followers of Jesus, and the and the apostle Paul got in under the wire because he had an encounter when he was on the road to Damascus. Right? That's what I always was yeah. taught. Is like he didn't meet like the biblical Jesus had been ascended to heaven, but he had an encounter with. Jesus on the road to Damascus. Right, he had a physical encounter, so he claimed apostleship. So he was apostleship, yeah. And he did call himself then the least of the apostles. So if you call yourself an apostle now, like, what do you, yeah, that's a whole. From what I know of, of and Andrew and I talked about this before, but from what I know of, like, modern. Like, why is it on your business card, I guess is what I want to I think it's just one Why is of it those... on all your towels embroidered? Yeah, yeah it's weird. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's weird. Not... Yeah. <laughs> Be great. It's apostle and hers. Like that's what's on your towel. <laughs> it's on your towels at home. <laughs> Sweetie, did you use my towel again? I can see it. it, it did you use my towel? It's it's on my license plate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know if that. I don't know if it has enough uh, letters. Yeah. What, how many letters do you get in a license plate? Six. Yeah. Or is it seven? They wouldn't let you spell it out because it's too weird. So you have to put like eight. Eight. You have to put eight. Eight apostle. Like it's it's you have to you have to get around it in some way. Sorry, this feels eight apostle. Eight apostle. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think it meant. I think it meant like someone like you said who pastors pastors in some ways, but has like a a. a they're not just confined to a church, but they are helping people with churches. But, but when we hear that now, we would hear, like, it, it just coming from a Pentecostal upbringing, I would immediately think of somebody who probably does not want a covering of any kind. Right. Who doesn't want any uh, accountability. It's like, I am the covering. I, yeah. I'm right. the, I like, I'll tell you when it's time to plant a church. Right. You don't tell me. So I would immediately be like, ooh, this person's going to be an issue. Yeah, my, my biggest— Like if somebody came to your church and said, I'm so excited to be here. This is my first Sunday here. By the way, I'm, I'm an, an apostle. apostle. You'd be like, mm. check, please. Like right. you'd be ready to— Yeah. I I find myself super suspicious, and I, I guess I'm being uh, vulnerable here. I'm super suspicious because of her upbringing. And in my—I'm not afraid of the word deconstruction, by the way— I think that any real faith has been deconstructed yeah. so that you found what held. Um, if you haven't deconstructed in some way, I think that's a, that's a dangerous statement to make. Like if you've never tried to – if you never tried or, or felt tension within the things that you believe. Yeah. But I am at a, a place where I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what part of – oh, man, i got to find the right phrase here. What is salvaged from my Pentecostal upbringing? Yeah. Um, and I read a book the other day. It was talking about um, archetypes. Uh-huh. 
and that in in a person's life, you know, there's and it's not just age related, but there's archetypes of specifically for a man, you know, there's a warrior, there's uh, a king, uh, there's um, like a a sage, and then one of those was which one of those do you think I am? Well, you, you you're supposed to be in any of those. You could be in any of those at any moment in your life at different times. You can say I'm not a warrior. It's okay, Johnny. I wouldn't call you a warrior. No, uh, no I'm just kidding. But but like comedians, comedians often think of themselves as sages. But we're I don't think that's anytime a comedian's like I'm doing important work here. I'm like okay, yeah, settle down, weirdo. Well, there is. They talk about that though. The, yeah. the, the, the humorists or the the court jesters, yeah. like they have a role in. I think they do, but I think you shouldn't ever own it. Because the minute you try to hold it in your hand, you've ruined it. Yeah. Like, I think comedy is important, and it does speak to culture. But if you call it But important. when comedy tries to be important, it's right. so obvious. It's like when you see an evangelist come in, and he's telling the funny story, but you're waiting for him to make the left turn and get everybody's email addresses. Yeah. Like, that's the part where I go, I see you trying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's one of those – I forget the name he used. He even – went as far as to say some cultures talk about you know uh the medicine man like there's got to be someone so you got sage warrior king and i think it's like like the holy man yeah like there's, there's that makes sense someone who brings like mysticism mi- of some kind and again we're afraid of that word right and so i'm putting it but putting he, he's it, trying to he's trying to answer the unanswerable questions he's trying to help you process them maybe. right he's like he's saying everything can't be put into just neat boxes because yeah. the king and the warrior, like the warrior is really interesting. The, like the warrior fights for a good king uh-huh. and is loyal to the death. Like as long as the cause is right, there's a stage of life or there's times in life where the warrior will go after it. And the king then is one who benefits everyone in the kingdom. Like okay. He's thinking of the good of the whole at all times. So his leadership is, is a safe place for others. And he, he doesn't mind raising up other leaders. He's not threatened by others yeah. growing and where they're supposed to be. And you got to have that person, though, or be that person at times who is questioning, who is saying, hey, there's, there's, a, there's a spiritual side to this that we can't put into all of our systems, that we can't just delineate through the checkboxes yeah. and the things that we do. And that's the part I think that we, have an, have a, we grew up with an abundance of mm-hmm. <laughs> that scares me. But I, I think that he has an important – seat at that table still that I'm, you know, I'm trying to make sure I'm always open to that. Right. If you're not leaving room at the table at all, now you just become like a bunch of pragmatists right. or like even deists. Yeah. Where it's just like, yeah, God's real and he's all powerful and he created everything, but he just kind of stays out of our way and doesn't really meddle anymore. Right. You're like, all right, well, what, is, what do you really believe then about God? Like it's a, you get into a strange area. If you totally remove anything of like God's involvement in our day to day. Yeah. I don't know. It's a tough. It's an interesting thing, but yeah, it's like uh, almost like a what was the practical atheist book that was written about like how some Christians live as though there's no God, even though they're they're going to church every Sunday, but they're yeah. living their life. The as Christian, practical. I think it's called the Christian atheist. Yeah, or, yeah, or, or maybe there's one another one that I read called practical, practical atheism. But anyway, there's like a practical deism too that I think you can live in where you're like, yeah, yeah, I totally believe it. But it's almost like God wound the watch and He's just letting the watch right do its dance. But it's like you know, yeah. And I don't know. It's it's fascinating. Well, the modern the modern mind longs for the predictability. Again, what, the industrial revolution brings about this conveyor belt mentality, yeah. where what we really want to do is to know if I put this in on this end, uh-huh. and we do all the work in between, it's going to come out the other end exactly the same every time. And that 
mystical side of God, the uh-huh. the unpredictable. There's an unpredictable side of God. Like his character is predictable. <laughs> his the ending even of things. There's some predictability to the things he's told us of how he's going to end everything up. But God himself is not predictable and all that he's going to do in the in-between. And so that's like where the spirit comes into, you know, the, the, the language of the Holy Spirit is, hey, the wind blows where it will. And mm-hmm. you don't know which way it's going to come or which way it's going to go. And we just don't know what to do with that. So I think what Pentecostals have often done is we then try to convey or belt the Holy Spirit now. Mm-hmm. So we try to make predictable. Conjure it almost. Like well, here's the five steps to get this to work. Right. This is going to work if you do this, yeah. you know. Uh, every, crank, crank the jack of the box, and then when we get to this part of the song, boom, pop goes the Holy Spirit. There you go. What we hope because yeah. we can see in the Book of Acts where this happened, and we treat the Book of Acts then yeah. uh, less like a narrative and an account, a historical account of what happened, and more like a textbook. Yeah, to try right, to, right, right. to try to predict exactly how that. We gather happen. in one place. We all in agreement. We blah blah blah. We yep. don't see it as like just an account. We see it as like an instruction manual. You're right. That's interesting. Yep, becomes very formulaic to uh-huh. us because it's the modern mind that wants to do that. Right. Uh, some of the best parts of biblical theology is to understand that the Bible is not a textbook. Like, I even remember as a young youth pastor saying that, like, guys, the Bible's like your roadmap, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, Basic I, instructions before leaving Earth. Yeah, and it's like, or it's an instruction manual for uh-huh. how to assemble your life properly. And it's like, the Bible is absolutely provides all of those elements but like it's it's ancient literature yeah and different kinds of ancient literature and so i can't i can't take a poetry book or a wisdom book or a lamentation book that's about an exile of an entire people at a very specific moment in history and find a way to overlay that exactly to my life yeah. in Nashville, Tennessee in 2022. Right. Like, you know, yeah, it's just probably not going to. Well, that's again, it goes back to that thing of self-importance that we try to extrapolate from everything. And that's why it's so exhausting, especially to as the generations have worn on, you have a more wary eye. And that's where you get back into deconstruction, where you have like people who are suspicious when they see you falling into old formulas. Yeah. Or trying to overlay yourself into every Bible story or make America the center of the Bible. Yeah. They this generation just will not tolerate that. So we're having to figure out like, all right, what is our tack? What is our new what is our new way forward? And it is interesting to see. I remember speaking of that when people try to get a little too important and it just dry and you can see like even with like is there a more far left audience than a nineteen ninety four Pearl Jam concert, which I was at in North Carolina. So one of my first like what you would call a secular concert. Cause I grew up mostly Ooh, as a Christian secular. Music. Yeah. So I go to this Pearl Jam show. I got really into the grunge music in early nineties. Oh yeah, me too. So I love Pearl Jam. So we go to this Pearl Jam show and it's outdoors in North Carolina and they're going on and it's, you know, just, there was a fog of pot smoke in the air. Yeah. So we all had the munchies after. I'll just say that. Yeah. So I've never smoked pot, but I sort of did. That was the closest. <laughs> it was the closest. Thing. I was like, can we find a Burger King right now? <laughs> But I remember in the middle of the show, they're doing their hits, and then they go, uh, hey, I'd like, I'd like to bring somebody up to talk to you guys. First of all, he goes he goes into this speech. It was very Bono-ish. I was like, immediately like, even then I was eye-rolling, like, dude, just play daughter and let me get out of here. Right. You know? But he was like, I'm thinking of a place, you guys. Eddie Vedder, man, it's like, I'm there. Everybody's kind of, woo, and you're there, woo. And this place is beautiful, man. And it's and I was like, okay, what's going on here? And then he goes, this place is the future. 
And then there was just like this, like, okay, <laughs> woo, you know, a few woos. And then he brought, I want to bring somebody up to talk to you. And it was Gloria Steinem. This wasn't like an election year. 94 was an election. It was a midterms year. Wow. They're trying to get Strom Thurmond out. So this is North Carolina. So every stop along the tour was like this. If you've got this super hyper-conservative politician in office, he would take a moment in the concert to be and like – And he'd yeah. bring up Gloria Steinem to talk about women's issues and whatever. And I'm telling you, all of these like hippy-dippy people were not having it. And there was a rush to the porta-potties. It was like, here's our moment. Wow. To finally relieve ourselves. Nothing cool is going to happen in the next 10 minutes. Yeah. Let's go. And so it was just like, Gloria's Dynam. And she starts to walk out and you just see the the stands clear. Wow. And even then I was just like, this is really fascinating. you know. And wow. then she got up and talked about whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny, though. that like, And I, I wonder if he ever adjusted his tack. I wonder if he was ever like, oh, this isn't really. Or if he was like, no, this is the worthy cause that I'm going to. Even though this is a lull in the show, I'm going to keep doing this because I'm a you know I'm a crusader for this cause. But to me, if you see that, if you see you're losing the battle and you're losing your audience, to me, it was, it was such a funny moment that like a rock show could just stop dead on a dime like that and right. immediately become. It was a pre, like I grew up used to that. Like, oh, this is where the preacher comes out and takes advantage of the big high moment that the worship artist had just created. Yeah. Now he's going to get into something really heavy, except. This is a, somebody who's supposedly anti-religious and anti-whatever, all that. But he's using those same, same methods. Tactics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. that's because they work. I mean, yeah. And I think that there's always been that connection between art, and it goes back again to that that sort of who's going to speak the truth to power, who's not in power, yeah. you know, kind of thing. So the artists are not in power, right. but they often then align themselves with the people in power. In order to, you know, hey, I can speak a message because people are listening yeah. to the art and they're here, and, and it's such an interesting. I do think, I do think that the artists, in some ways, and and we are creatives, but the artists, in some ways, have way too lot of a voice in our culture today. Yeah. In, in my opinion, in terms of the weight of the voice, I think it's fine to have the voice, right? But lots of people are making complete yeah. judgments about important things based upon people who are not necessarily. Yeah, like to say uh, George Clooney should have to, to should be able to say his opinion, or should he just shut up and be an actor? No, that's stupid to say he doesn't have. But to say his opinion should matter more than an average person—that's when it gets weird, right? Like I should, I would never tell somebody to shut up and dribble or whatever we did to the basketball players when they started talking about BLM and all that stuff. Shut up and dribble. You're getting too far. ESPN's getting too political. No, that's not fair. But when you say like. It's twenty four seven, and he should make policy, right? That's when it gets a little bit like, all right, you've you've probably overstepped. Yeah, I still want to know, like, hey, just because you have influence, also, what is how educated are you on this? Yeah. you know, and, and maybe I don't think you have to have like a formal education or experience necessarily to be able to speak very yeah. deeply to matters. Right. I just think it's, it's a matter balance. of what kind of what kind of work have you done here? Mm. <laughs> you know, what kind of resources have you accessed? Yeah, are you just jumping on the trend of the moment? Right, trying to make inject yourselves into it just to be, you know. Well, it sounds like a soapbox. I mean, but like you know, we are the generation where people can be famous for being famous. Yeah, and you do go, like I, Sadie will sometimes be following somebody on TikTok or whatever, and they and they're good at making videos. I guess that's what they do. Yeah, but you the the idea that influencer is now an accepted title, mm -hmm. it has it it. Go on a resume now, probably. 
Oh, it does. I've read resumes, yeah, where people yeah. have submitted to me for you know certain things where the influencer – and I think – I'm not against it. Like I'm not a guy going, that shouldn't happen. I'm just saying it's, it's interesting to observe. Out, maybe an outsized influence. We're, now it's – like you said, it's something to be envied. It's something to be like, oh, that's something I want to be. It's like, well, what do you want to – do you want to make things? No, I just want to be famous. Right. Like instead of being – like somebody gets like – like uh, – I think it was John Foreman or I can't remember who it was that was talking. Oh, Mike Myers did an interview and he was talking about fame is like this byproduct of creativity. It's like the gross sludge that comes from making the thing that he wanted to make. Yeah. Like I made Wayne's World. Now here's this dripping goo that's in a vat below the thing I made. Yeah. I don't love it, but it had to happen because I made this thing. Interesting. But the main thing was to make the thing. Now I think we're tra- we're chasing the goo. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And then we go, but when I get this goo, I'm going to make some cool stuff. And you go, no, no, no. This is a byproduct. Right. It should be. We're, we reverse the order almost. And I, that sounds like an old man shouting at the clouds. But you know what I mean? I really do feel there's some of that. And I feel like I've been guilty of chasing uh, influence rather than be like, just keep making more things. And then if you deserve influence, you'll get it. But sometimes you go, but if I had the influence, then every video I had would go viral. Like you're reversing the steps almost. Well, it's because it works for some people. Yeah. Like they're plenty, again, to a point. But that's plenty. outliers. We look at outliers now and that's another thing our culture has is like you can see somebody who has kind of broke the mold and you think now they're to be followed. It's like, no, but they're a complete anomaly. They're yeah. the exception that proves the rule really. I think it is fascinating. I think it is possible to make the thing – and the goo never comes. Really? And I think that's where – maybe your thing wasn't good enough, but – Yeah, that's what people would say. Like, well, why aren't you famous if it's so great? Well, I, I read stories – I'll read I'll read accounts all the time. Maybe it's internal goo. It changes you, John. <laughs> the goo seeps into your own being. Well, how many people – how many people the goo – it is funny that we're using that now as the, the thing, but – Whatever, the residual byproduct. Yeah. Right. But how many people, like, you don't really know as much about them till after their death or after the moment where yeah. like very few people are actually famous for what they're really good at in their own lifetime. And today that's the whole game. Like the whole idea today is like you said, it's not about what I produce. It's can yeah. I, can I be known for what I produce right. in my own lifetime? So I can not only produce it, but then enjoy all the benefits of it, which yeah. generally in society, which I haven't watched the Elvis movie yet, by the way, no. but generally in society, whenever someone had the level of fame for the level of accomplishment that they had in their own lifetime, it was a recipe for disaster for them personally. I think Michael mm-hmm. Jackson certainly yeah. is is an example of that. Right, like his strength it was his part of his undoing because it like it, yeah it isolated him. It did all those things, and yeah, he, the fact that he had no childhood right made him go chase childhood. He built an amusement park at his house. Like the whole thing was like yeah yeah his, his lost youth. Fed all of the horrible things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, I don't know if that's just like a 20th century thing. I mean, I know Mark Twain was that famous in his own time. Yeah. If you watch the uh, the New York City documentary, the Ken Burns documentary in New York City, and Mark Twain's sort of social elite status mm-hmm. as this socialite in town, being invited to everything, and how what it did for him and where he was. Um, certainly, Albert Einstein in 20th century was that famous in his own time. But these guys are scholars. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not saying you have to be a scholar, but there was a moment where, you know. Yeah, who's the famous smart person now that we 
he's famous for being like smart. Like we had Stephen Hawking, maybe uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I think, but Neil deGrasse Tyson gets heat because like he kind of ruins it for everybody. Well, actually, right? He, he well actually is the internet a lot, so he gets kind of heat for that. I think the equivalent is Elon Musk today. I think it's less really? about smart and more about innovation yeah. and success. Yeah, and you, before that, you had Steve Jobs. Yeah, like disruptors. Right, the, but w- whether or not they themselves are the genius, I mean, I'm not saying they're not, but we don't care as much about what you know unless what you know produces something that benefits right. the whole on, yeah. a, on a social level. So, yeah, c- call me whenever you've made an Apple computer or an iPhone. Right. Get us off fossil fuels, then talk to me. Like, right. Whoa, that's a lot. It's a big, it's a big yeah. ask. And maybe that's just because it's a flooded, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to say marketplace, but a, a flooded um, idea space, Johnny. Like, yeah. you know, everybody's idea. I mean, think about it. Is, I, I'm writing something now, which I am going to share with the readers soon. The readers. Hopefully <laughs> I'll share with the readers, with the listeners. Because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if anyone's ever going to read this, and that's always the truth. But if you're watching this with captions on, you're a reader. There you go. So. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I'm I'm writing a proposal now that's like a lifelong sort of research project that is – I mean, stupidly huge in in its scope. Yeah. Like it is a true big boy, big girl historical biography meets you know modern modern age where we are, but really going deep. And, and I just go, what sort of what sort of like hubris does it require to think that I should be writing this? Like yeah. I think I think that that's a I don't know. I'm still doing it. Yeah, that's part of the thing. It's one of those, like, I'm going to have to do this, get it out of my system, because yeah. I've thought about it for 20 years. I know this story that, that in some ways I'm uniquely positioned to Yeah, tell. and it's like, uh, I think that's cool. There's a, things like that where there's a hole in culture, and you go, oh, I want that. I mean, our friend Allison, she said that when she started her own podcast. She said, I wanted to make a podcast that I wanted to listen to, and so I found, like, this place in the market that wasn't being handled, so I did that thing. I think that's what you should do. Like, go, go find. Don't go. Well, that worked for them. I'll do the exact same thing. You see a lot of that on like, yeah. social media, where they just follow a trend or they copy. Yeah. Like, like I don't have viral videos on TikTok, but I have my voice. We talked about that, where like <laughs> people are copying me or lip syncing me, right. and those went viral. Right. So you see that, but you rarely see what Allison did, which is like, well, what if somebody who's not a historian. But just like an enthusiast of this and that the Kennedys have been a lot to me. But I'd become a researcher and I'd do all this stuff and then I'd do this and I could talk about what it meant to me. And then that fills this niche and now it's taken off. So it's like that's what you're doing. You found like this it's personal to you, you're gonna work on it. Yeah. But I think it'll be a success because of what it is. I don't think that's hubris to say like I wanna make that thing. It'd be different if you were like, What we need is another book on blah blah blah. It's like, well, maybe not, but Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. You have hubris in other areas. Oh, so dude, many other areas. Dude, uh, we'll talk about that. We'll get into that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, just using the word hubris speaks so much. Yeah, to, it says a lot. Just that you wouldn't say arrogance; that you would say hubris instead. That just right. Is, I had to, I had to call back to you know boy. the Greeks in order right. to make my point. Um, <laughs> the Greek god of arrogance. Yeah, hubris. <laughs> he probably was. We probably like saying that he might, he might have been like it was like a, a hubris. Uh, it certainly comes from Greek literature mm. it's the hero the hero or the protagonist he, right. he thinks he's a hero that's the whole point of, of, yeah. of hubris 
but he may do damage to those around him regardless. Yeah. And but his, which I mean, the society as a whole, I think it's where we, you know, light right now. You can justify anything in your life as long as you believe you're the hero, right? And which then, most of us do. I think maybe that's what's, that's another thing social media has done to us, though, is because we're all literally protagonists. Like right. You wake up and the camera's in your face and you're a protagonist. So it's like it's hard not to be in the Truman Show when you, you wake up every day and your camera and your phone says you are Truman. Here's your cultivated news feed, Truman. Like, so right. how do you not think of yourself? How do you not develop a protagonist mindset? Well, yeah, everything you've been watching for your entire life is yeah. based upon a protagonist in a, in a story. Yeah, how do you not stop in the middle and go, am I the villain here? Like, you never – the villain hardly I, ever realizes he's the villain, right? I stop and ask that, and I think you do too. Well, I do, but I'm saying like it's – we're just neurotic though. That's a <laughs> – I was going to say it's not a – I don't know if it's a healthy thing. I don't know if it's a good thing that I do that, yeah. but um, – I I think about it a lot after I've used my powers for evil. Uh <laughs> Like after I wipe out a whole village, I'm like, am I the bad Wait, guy? Did I, should I have done should that? Should I have cast that spell? I mean, it yeah. It feels like I might be the... It feels... And then my wife's like, yeah, you totally are. And I'm like, let's keep thinking on this. <laughs> I'll keep... I'm going to keep this locked away, but... Let's not make any rash decisions. Yeah, let's yeah. keep going. Yeah. Just in case I'm the good guy. Yeah, I did have this thought the other day from a religious viewpoint or from a faith-based viewpoint. I was kind of praying and, and it was kind of it was kind of like really striking to me. We talked about this a little bit the last few episodes, but it sort of came into even new words for me. Like we all want to be that person in life that God, if you believe that God is, is directing your path or, you know, he's a part of, of your journey through sovereignty, through you inviting him to be. So, um, we all want to be that person that God can trust with success. Yeah. Like, you know, I want to be that person that, you know, I think we were, we always say like money corrupts everyone, you know, but maybe not me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, give me, give me a chance to try, you know, I want to learn that the hard way. You know, why don't I have to learn all these other things the hard way? How about I learn through great success, great wealth, great whatever. But I had this sort of like thought in my mind. I wonder if I can be the kind of person that God can trust with failure. And when I, when I look through like the scriptures, there's a lot of people he trusted with failure. Like this is not going to go. Yeah, you know, it's it's so easy to only point out David at the field against Goliath, or David on the throne, and then there's more times in life God trusted him with David in the field, so unknown that his dad didn't even think to invite him, right, to meet with Samuel and the other brothers. Where David twice fleeing the throne and running hiding in caves from his own son or from Saul. Like, I think that there's, and, and, and I know failure is a strong word for that, but I think there, I, I realize like, gosh, I've always wanted to be the guy that God trusts with all of the great things, but maybe there's a greater stewardship to what I do with the difficult things or with the things that I will get no, yeah. <laughs> I'll get no attaboys and no credit in this world. For those kinds of things, like if me just sticking with it and being kind to someone who's unkind to me in a moment where I feel very exposed because I'm not accomplishing anything great, even where the church world said that I should or the religious world or prophetic words as a child or whatever, like me deciding to keep trusting God or Mm -hmm. me deciding to keep losing. I'm going to lose. I could win here. I could fight this fight and win. But I think the Christ-like thing to do is to lose. I'm going to and it's going to look like failure to everybody. Like, could God trust me 
with failure as much as he could trust me with success. That's just sort of the, I don't know, Johnny, it's just a thought. Yeah. Well, we'll find out. You're finding out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. It's like exhibit a, it's, uh, uh, the test is underway. Yeah. Let me tell you something, buddy. (laughs) I think you learn more from failure. And it sounds cliche. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think uh, that success is a completely terrible teacher because it makes you feel invincible. If you have enough success, you go, well, this worked. Just keep doing this. And like it becomes a formula. We talked about formulas earlier, but yeah, we, we develop formulas in our life where we're like, well, I did A plus B. Why does it not equal C this time? It's like, well, the formula changed. That's how life works. You just, you know, I don't know. That's a huge, yeah, I told you at lunch, I was just finished a book. Not going to say who it was, uh, which I know sounds weird, but I'm not. Yeah, because sometimes I think if you hear the source, sometimes you're you're inclined then to not give that source a chance. But it's, it's a source a little a little further outside of some of the things I would normally read. Yeah, and and he was talking about the thing the modern culture misses is that it's not just an age thing or a maturity thing. But that there is a, a, a cycle and a process to life that requires things to be different in midlife and later in life than they were in early life. Like midlife is a moment that you're supposed to come to grips with your limitations that you did not know existed in early life. Mm-hmm. But you needed to feel that way in early life. Yeah. Like that was an important part of right. it. You need to feel invincible in your 20s. That's part of the deal. It's part of what and how like you It's need- part of why you take risks so that you can set yourself up for your thirties because like if you never if you never feel an adventure spirit in your twenties Right. That's weird. Yeah. Well in the culture as a whole, like even in our relationships, we need people like that around us. Yeah. We need the one who still thinks, Oh my gosh, you know, I you know, grab the world by the tail, it's my oyster, all uh-huh. of the things. I can go do anything. Yeah, I'm the oldest we're Curry and I are the oldest people in our small group at church by fifteen years. Yeah. So we experience that. I'm seeing that. And I see the world through their eyes a little bit. And I never roll my eyes. I'm always excited when they say, oh, this is blah, blah, blah. And there's an opportunity or whatever. I love it. I think it keeps us young in a way. Yeah. You know, and I hope that we don't drag down the mean average of their – we make them feel like fuddy-duddies. I hope not. But I know your group, and I know you yeah. don't. I mean, and that's the thing. You're the kind of, you're the kind of people who are going to be excited for someone else's yeah. win. Uh, because if you don't, and that's that's sort of his whole thing. Like the the people who don't accept number one that they're not in control, and number two that there's limitations, and they're and they they don't make some peace with the idea. And this is the key that what used to work for you may not anymore. Right. That's that whole formula being broken now. Yeah. And so you can then try to keep you know reestablishing a new formula, you know, freaking out on it so that everything changes. Uh, and you can get really angry with God because he allowed things to succeed in your early life that he doesn't allow to succeed midlife. And that's a part of you. Will you be able to let go and trust and be the kind yeah. of person who can know that life is limited yet continue with hope with even trying to do things that are important in life and also be a safe place for those around who, when they come into that lesson, that you can be there for them and say, hey, Hey, I remember the moment that it felt like that, that suddenly it's like a ton of bricks. Yeah. If you're truly idealistic, you know, like you just think there's an idyllic future that you can go after, like, and you find out that might not be the case. It it might be better than I thought, but I'm not in control of what it is. And to the level that I thought I was by, you know, 
pumping this computer full of these formulas and it's going to spit out this thing on the other end yeah. of me. So it's, um, yeah, there was a thing that, uh, somebody quoted George Carlin, uh, and cause his last two specials were like a different, totally different tone, really bitter. And he was near death and it was just like really bitter. His comedy became really like acidic and cynical. And then somebody kind of called him on it in a special or in an interview and he was there saying, your last two specials are really dark. And, and I think either he said the quote or they said the quote to him. And it was something to the effect of, if you scratch a cynic, what you'll see underneath is a disappointed idealist. Mm. Like that, this is, that's the beginning stages of cynicism is like you start out idealistic and then you just get disappointed over and over again. And then you, it wears at you or the, like you said, the formula stops working. Yeah. Uh, or what your view of the world is, is so pie in the sky that it can never be met. And so slowly these, it chips away and that's how cynics are made. And uh, so he was almost admitting that about himself. He said, I find myself a more hopeful person in real life. My show has become more cynical though and dark. So he admitted that to this interviewer, but I don't know. I'm fascinated by that. They're like, like you, like you said, you reach that moment where, okay, the, the formula didn't work anymore. And now I got to either grow past it or I got to like keep spinning my wheels or become better. Yeah. That's the whole thing. The, the, that hit a visual in the book, the trajectory of the person who doesn't, who doesn't accept it. They do. They go on to be an embittered yeah. older person. That's what I've chosen. <laughs> well, that's I, I want to do an answer. I want to announce it today. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> I know it's a left turn, but, um, I'm decided to be bitter. Wow. That's, that's, <sighs> Like right now, you decided just now. Okay, when okay. you said it, I was like, oh, "That's, yeah, that's what I want to do." That's a good idea. I didn't. I didn't know it was an option. It's like when they're going through like the thirty-one flavors, and you're like, mm. "Oh, bitter oh. bitterness is on the okay." Oh, nice. I want to do that. I wonder what color the bitter flavor is. Um, it's coffee. Who eats coffee ice cream? I, what are you doing? I, I just stop it. I do because with your it's good. Well, you'd, you'd put some. You'd, did you say tiramisu? Tiramisu. To the tiramisu. That's when you tiramisu. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I, ate, all the I, ate I ate it with Bill Cosby. That's how he. Tiramisu. That's what he. <laughs> don't eat it with Bill Cosby, by the way. Uh, yeah, Bill Cosby's. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't go well. No. Anyway, uh, yeah. So yeah, tiramisu. But yeah, coffee, coffee infused things. Like I like sweet things. I don't want. I don't want bitter things on my thing. You put, Stop it. You put sweet things on the bitter. It's, it's but a, you know what goes even better than that if you took out that? Out? Some more sweet stuff. <laughs> I know there's a thing where it gets too sweet. It's just too much. I'm not sure I've ever found that thing. People say that. It's like, so sweet. So, so rich. I'm like, bring me more of it. But rich, in, it, it implies to me when you say rich, it has like a darkness to it. There's a, there's a bitterness in there. Like dark chocolate is very rich. No, Whereas I'm like, I, I'm like, bring me all the milk chocolate. Milk chocolate's good. Dark chocolate's like, I like chocolate, but I hate myself. I don't even know you right now. Yeah. Dark chocolate. Okay, number one, milk chocolate, it's just like you. Milk chocolate is a modern American. What are you saying? It's for kids? Is that what you're saying? It's because we can't handle the real chocolate? I'm saying because. It's dumbed down chocolate? I'm saying that it is a modernized American invention, and you don't, you don't even know real chocolate. How dare you? Hershey invented it. It, it, well, they nailed it. Yeah, in like the in like the nineteen twenties or something. Yeah, and we're good now. Don't you want to go back in history and no. eat the chocolate of the? I think there's a perfection level that was reached. It's kind of like when you go to a nice restaurant. This is in like Nash. your American exceptionalism. Like this is your thing, right? But here. here's the thing: like no, we could like, do it like the good old U.S. of A. That's Say exactly it. what I mean. <laughs> I think Hershey's is centered in prophecy, <laughs> Revelation. If you look, one of the beasts is holding 
<laughs> a chocolate covered almond. No, uh, I. <laughs> who is unfit to unwrap this? Oh, wow. Anyway, so no, he. So when you go to a restaurant in Nashville, uh-huh. okay, these hoity-toity like, you know, hipster. Dude, I love hoity-toity. He's down a, on Fifth. Here's a. Oh, yeah, sorry, it, it probably is. You know, you're like you used to be able to go get an eight dollar burger. Now that same burger is fifteen dollars, and it has like five ingredients that are normal. It's like okay, lettuce. All right, okay. All right, okay. This is a different. Okay, arugula. All right, whatever. Instead of lettuce. All right, fine. Oh, it's like a, it's like a, a sharp cheddar. All right, I like that. Sure. Bacon. Oh, it's oh Benton's bacon. That's thick cut. That's good stuff. Oh, that's nice. And then it'll say, fig jam. <laughs> and then you'll go. Can you hold the fig jam? They go, oh, you got to try the fig jam. They get mad at you. And then they say this. They'll go. Uh, you go. Can I get some ketchup for the fries? They go. We've got our own house ketchup. Mm. What are you doing? We nailed ketchup. Stop it, Johnny. I'm, you don't we, need to go to those listen, restaurants. You don't Heinz, deserve it. Heinz is good. Bring me some Heinz. You're not. See everything you just said. I want the fig jam. I want the house. Listen, ketchup. I've tried the fig jam. It's actually pretty good. Yeah, exactly. But these weird smoky ketchups that are just like oh, they so take good. real ketchup and then put a bunch of crap in it. Stop it, Johnny. Ketchup is Why we nailed ketchup. Open your mind, bro. You no. live in Nashville now. Like you're all I want is my chicken fingers to come out shaped like dinosaurs. <laughs> Give me some ketchup. <laughs> I want my little hash browns shaped like little smiley faces. Yeah, is that what you're saying? I'm a child. I don't think I have to say it, Johnny. Can you bring me some finger paints to work with while I wait? <laughs> can you put one of those? Uh, Is this one of those tablecloths I can, I can draw on? on? Yeah, bring me some crayons or something. Yeah. Do you say crayon or crown? My wife says crown. Crayon. Yeah, crayon. Yeah, I say crayon. You really over enunciate it to make yeah. sure no one's. No, it's over enunciate. Do you know people who say crown? Can you bring me a crayon? I crayon. crayon. I, hear, I hear like crayon. Crayon is like real. It's not natural. Curry will literally say crown, like a king crown. Or queen. I don't want to be. Wow. Of course, you the, of course you picked the king. Yeah. Uh, I say crayon. I did hear someone who was a native Nashvilleian the other day say ambulance. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was like, well, yeah, that's what we used. That's what we grew up hearing around They picked here. him up over at the Italian restaurant. Took him down they in there in the right ambulance. In, put him right, well, don't take him to the Italian <laughs> <laughs> Why would an ambulance take someone to the Italian restaurant? <laughs> I was I was going that they picked him up because he had he had tear, too much tiramisu and he had to go. I think to me tiramisu is like this place where all the animals are like dusted with. If someone, yeah, it is yeah, the if tiramisu. You, if you say ambulance, you probably also say police. No, you don't say. We never said police. Really? You but you never said ambulance, did you? No, I did. You said ambulance, but you didn't say police. I want to say it was either you or Laura. So that the accent was on the lease. When I got shamed by either you or Laura as a young man for saying ambulance, that's when I changed to ambulance. It I shamed been, you? It, it might have been you. That doesn't sound like me. No, not at all. To pick on someone. Did you say ambulance? Yeah. And I was just like, no. no. There, there you go again with the voice. And that's when someone is an attacker, I think you. That's what you sound like. You caricaturize them. I as, do. This a, is what you sound like to me. <laughs> dur, dur, dur. I don't. <laughs> How dare you attack me? So now I've got to make you into this monster. My thing I'm working on is not again. We talk about all the times how I stood up with that bully Johnny. Yeah, and it worked out well for me. Is not that needs to be a chapter in a book? If it's not, is that, it in a book? No, that that the story's not in a book. That'd be a great one, dude. You can start speaking at schools about bullies and stuff. There's a lot of money in this, John. 
Oh, yeah. Not that you do it for the money, but no. I'm saying you do it to help kids. And Right. Because the kids have a lot of money nowadays. No, I'm saying... Yeah. <laughs> no, what I'm saying, like, kids bring in... Or schools bring in people to talk to kids oh, about I bullying, know. and you've got a bullying story. Hey, hand in glove. That'd be, I wouldn't... <laughs> this is not a hand in glove. That's not how gloves work. That's just two hands and a hand. That's two hands going. I, I really struggle to claim bullying on that one. It was like one interaction yeah. with one bully, and... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it'd only be good if, like, you guys became best friends after that. No, but what I wonder, if I what if I was the bully, and uh, then but, now we have a podcast? Would well, that be something? That would be amazing. Well, you know, as it'd be our, weird too because I'm five years older. <laughs> well, he was five years older. Most I think I was oh, eighth yeah? grade. He was a senior. Maybe. What? Wait. What school was this? Did you ever? I could say. <laughs> I could say his name. I remember it. No, don't say I'm it. Not gonna do. Well, you would. You always say people's names. That's true. Right? I do. You, you get mad like, at me too. You you're like, we're gonna edit that out. out, and I go, don't edit it out. No, God deserves it. No, no just, and I'm just like, well, no. it's not like someone needs some twelve step recovery. I do have a bit that I'm doing now about a moment in health class where a friend of mine asked uh, in seventh grade where his ovaries were. Right, when he was a boy. And I've told the bit on stage a few times, and just out of habit, I say the full name. Oh, you say his real name. And then I've had to, like, then I recorded a couple of versions of it where I just say Chad. I don't say the last name. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's, 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 the story ends up not really being about, like, what a dumb kid. It's, it's more, I twisted it on its end to where it's, like, more about, like, we needed those kids to ask because we wanted to know, too. Right. You know, so it's more about, like, Kids trying to act like they know everything, especially boys. We're like, I know everything about sex, and you don't. And then when somebody asks a question, you're like, Thank God you asked that. You know. <laughs> so it's more about that mindset. Yeah. But I did say his full name, and and uh, so now I've had to go back and find a clip of it to release that doesn't have that because I'm like, I don't. And just in case he would be bothered by it. Yeah, I, I think about early days of sermons. If you remember, I would do impressions of old girlfriends for the kids. All right, and. I didn't, so many girlfriends. I didn't think. John, I didn't think you're a player, dude. That, well, let me tell you. I didn't think about the fact that even back then we had a podcast, like we had a video podcast. Yeah. In the like mid 2000s, we were recording all the youth sermons, and I started feeling like well, that was a dumb. Like I wasn't really making fun. It wasn't even oh, like right, a, you did. I remember that. I wasn't trying to make fun of a real person. It was just that it was a. It she was, was not a, a real person. It was a caricature of one statement that yeah. an ex-girlfriend used to say. This was your revenge and you It wasn't even revenge. I was, think I somebody know. became a bully. I like think somebody, I, somebody has to stand up to you. Just as I mean, what can I do to make it right? <sighs> You're like pay me. Yeah, if you were to <laughs> I'll be a liaison between you and Will you? the wronged party. You're going to track it down. Uh-huh. That's good. And you think I should listen to you because you use words like liaison. You know, a liaison has some really interesting. There's a couple eyes placed in that word that are interestingly placed. Like there's some some words I go that word is mm-hmm. spelled in a ridiculous way. Whoever made this one right. should have thought it out. It's like Colonel. Yeah. Like stop it. Somebody, by the way, the other day, baloney. Get out of some, here. Somebody the other day on a sports blog. Why did he? Oh, he said there's not. He said, uh, and it made me think because you know I don't. I rarely ever dictate when I write. Yeah. And only dictate when I'm a dictator. Uh, and so he had written, though, there's not even a kernel of truth to this and spelled it C O L O N E L. Oh, right. And dude, they were lighting him up. Yeah. And like the, because you know, the sports blogs are just brutal. Right. You know, and it made me think, because they light up this guy all the time, like, dude, take a writing class. But he puts out so much stuff. He's been doing it for years. Yeah. And what's unfortunate is, is I know it's so poorly written, usually, and it's like so. 
he's try he's trying to just make he's trying to make some sort of incendiary headline so you'll click it you know but it's in the blog that I yeah. watch all the other stuff I often just won't even read it because I just know it's like well this is it's, unless that's something really that happened but I thought to myself I mean not being judgmental of the guy like oh I bet that's why he struggles with writing is and that's how he puts out so much he's just dictating a bunch of stuff oh right and then and he's just he putting said it in Colonel and it yeah, yeah it turned into Colonel there's no way he would have written Colonel right it doesn't look for context. Right. So it, it kind of gave me a clue. Now, I used the context clues to put yeah. together what I think has been going on all these years. Yeah. There could be <laughs> there could be like a cartoon character that's like a little kernel of corn, but he's like a military officer. <laughs> he's the colonel. That's great. It's uh, it's Colonel Oliver North, but he's like a little piece of corn. He's like... Yeah, what does his voice sound like? Arms for hostages. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I do not recall whatever. I don't, he says I do not recall a lot. lot. A yeah, lot. That was said a lot. That's what that colonel says. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know what, listener? Yeah. You can recall. We hope you won't plead the fifth. We hope you'll go to talkaboutthatpodcast.com mm. and listen to all of our archived episodes. We got nothing to hide. No, except we some early gone, episodes. We could have gone back and deleted some episodes. Uh, we could have shredded documents, as it were. Uh, we could have flushed some documents down the toilet. But we didn't do it because mm-hmm. our plumbing is already super bad. Yeah. Because John has IBS. Oh, my goodness. Listen, we don't do that around here. We give you the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So go find those episodes, over 200 of those bad boys. Yeah. Maybe you're on vacation this month. A lot of people are. You for, need the, to- for the whole month? Yeah. You're That's- headed down to the beach house, and you need something to listen to uh, with the whole fam. Let's do it. Uh, we'll be your road partners. We'll be your wingmen, as it were. Yeah, uh, we would love for you to take a listen, and also to follow us on socials. You can follow Johnny uh, on Instagram, right? Johnny and, uh, just, or you go to Linktree yeah, and Linktree. type in my name. That's one way to find all the links. My website's johnnyw.com. J o n n i e w.com. Go to johndriver.com, where you can find out about all John's literary projects and all John's socials. Follow him. I'd say my Linktree is probably the easy spot. It has johndriver.com. On the link tree, but man, you go to John, you go to link tree slash John Driver, guys, you see everything. Like it's you, the tree of knowledge. Wait, wait, that's not what you don't yeah. don't take from that tree. No, you can also support us uh, if you'd like to monthly uh, via our Patreon account. A lot of that money is going to go to the victims of John's bullying. Uh, so if we have set up a fund, it's. It looks like it's my bank account numbers. Right. But don't worry about that. Johnny will take care of it. Yeah. You can trust him to be your No, your if you want to support the show, we appreciate we're making new content. We're doing these things. We bought cameras. We did things. We we are, we love making things for you, but it helps sometimes to have support, and we appreciate it. You may have noticed that we actually – we've been doing a one-camera sort of wide shot for a while, and today we actually experimented with all three of our cameras. So there's three shots. So if you haven't gone to our YouTube channel – Go over there and subscribe. It's like multicam. We're like an 80s sitcom. Yeah, it's like switching back and forth whenever yeah. we talk. So, and we talk over each other a lot. So it's it's a it's an experiment as we go. But it's okay. going to be it's going to be a good product. It's okay. It's going to be a good product. So yeah, check out the YouTube link and go ahead and subscribe. Hey, maybe you're not going to watch it like every week on YouTube. You're just going to listen every maybe week. Maybe start okay. it in the background and go do your ironing and Maybe your... like refresh it a bunch of times. Yeah. And help us get more views. Oh my god. Sounds like we're just being minute. We're trying to get now. the goo. Yeah, we are. Yeah. We're trying to get the goo before the Don't put the, the goo before the horse, Johnny, is what they say. Don't look a goo horse in the mouth. The goo comes after they kill the horse, right? Don't they make <laughs> I think it's glue, Johnny. It goes to the That's goo, glue, the not goo. goo. Fa- oh, sorry. They go to the goo factory. You're right. <laughs> Guys, we sure appreciate you spending the day with us. It's been so much fun. And we'll see you next week on Talk About Map.
Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.